Author George Carl Heisman once stated, Worshipping the devil is no more insane than worshipping God. It is precisely at the moment when positivism is at its high watermark that mysticism stirs into life and the follies of occultism begin. In 1985, recent film school graduate Will Allen found what appeared to be an exciting community in LA. While searching for the meaning of life and community, Allen was lured by a charismatic South American-born guru known as Michelle. With little hesitation, he joined Buddhafield, a group where love and enlightenment flowed in abundance. It wasn't until 22 years later that Allen realized he belonged to a cult. Allen's film, Holy Hell, tells his tale and the secrets of the Buddhafield, along with its leader, the paranormal aftermath. Actor, singer, songwriter, and director Jared Leto was one of the producers of Holy Hell. While visiting the ghosts of Buddhafield's past, Jared was dealing with supposed ghosts of his new home in Laurel Canyon. So ditch the Flavorade, grab a smoothie, and slip into your favorite Speedo. This is the true crime and paranormal aftermath of the Buddhafield cult. Namaste forever. Hi, this is Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Hollywood Paranormal. And if you're just new to Hollywood Paranormal, we are a Hollywood true crime and paranormal podcast based out of Hollywood, California. <laughs> so we talk about crimes that are in and around the Hollywood area that make up this crazy state of California. Yes. <laughs> so you heard it right in the intro. We are going to dive into one of the most interesting cults yes. in Hollywood in L.A., and that is the Buddhafield cult. Yes. Oh, yeah. It is a very, very interesting cult because they were a throwback to the old cults here. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do, guys, is real quickly, we're going to go into the definition of a cult, how it's defined, and how it all started, and then why L.A. played as such a big hotbed for these crazy cults. Yes. And then we can't proceed with this podcast without talking about the 2016 documentary, Holy Hell, mm. a.k.a. Holy Shit, What Did I Just See? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's its, that's its long festival name. It is, and um, FYI, uh, yes, Bryce is wearing his tangerine Speedos. Yes. I don't know if you saw that on Instagram, they guys. They can hear it in my voice, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like tangerine. I know. Ooh. Ooh. 
Yes, I told you that he, you were looking very svelte. No wonder you got those speedos. Thank you. Yeah, that you're looking really good. Uh, Orange is definitely your color. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> All right, guys. So why don't we open with the biggest question? What is a cult? According to Wikipedia and Webster Dictionary, it's a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. For example, uh, the cult of St. Olaf or... Um, another description is a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange and or sinister. Ooh. Mm. So why cults? And what was the earlier, like, wh- how do they, like, spawn? Like, what was, like, the thing about cults? Mm-hmm. So we had to go way, way back into the 1930s. So in the beginning of the 1930s, cults became the object of sociological study in the context of the study of religious behavior. So from the 40s, the Christian countercult movement had opposed some sects and new religious movements, and it labeled them as cults for their unchristian, unorthodox beliefs. So the secular anti-cult movement began in the 1970s, and it opposed certain groups, often charging them with a mind control or partially motivated in reaction to acts of violence committed by some of their members, a.k.a. Manson family. Some what of, up, fam? I know. Huh. Fam squad. So some of the claims and actions of the anti-cult movements have been disputed by scholars and by the news media leading to further public controversy so the term new religious movements to religions which have appeared since the mid-1800s so this was before the word cult came mm-hmm. about and many not all of them have been considered to be cults there have been subcategories of cults that you know definitely come mm-hmm. around so you have the doomsday cults personality cults political cults destructive cults racist cults polygamist and terrorist cults and various national governments have reacted to cult related issues in different ways and this has sometimes led to other controversies so uh, perhaps in more useful to discern what a religious movement is or what a cult is mm-hmm. is by comparing its impact on its members lives so the biggest question while researching that i came up with is does it complement or control? Mm-hmm. So according to Jayanti Tam of the Huffington Post, at their best, healthy religions and organizations complement rich, full lives by offering balance, community, comfort. At their worst, they lapse. They lapse into vehicles demanding control. Cults limit lives into narrow, claustrophobic existence whose singular purpose is the cult mm-hmm. itself. So it just narrows the follower's path. But... Why is it? Here's another big question. Mm-hmm. Why is LA and or why has LA played as such a hotbed for cults? Now, I'll go into a list of these earlier cults mm-hmm. that started in LA so you guys can get a really good idea, especially for you, Bryce. Are you pretty familiar with the earlier cults? Um, I think I know like the big players, I would say. Oh, yeah. But if you really Scientology? Start, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but if you really start looking into it, it's like even these little minor ones. Yes. Like, oh, okay. They're actually everywhere. They're everywhere Great. from the smallest to the most like, you know, popular ones. Mm-hmm. So starting from the earlier cults, we has the Mazdanan, which was a cult of sun worshippers who fasted on and engaged in self-torture to drive out the devils. Sure. I as know. you do. Yes. <laughs> then we have the Helios cult, which was a love cult. Mm-hmm. The I Am cult, which was a Great Depression cult started by Guy Ballard, which was supposed to bring its followers success mm-hmm. and wealth. 
And then you have the Etheria Society, which was the first alien cult in L.A. that wanted to save the world using radionic energy. Bless. <laughs> well, someone's got to do it. I know. Why not a cult? <laughs> nice science. Believed in past lives, ESP, and reincarnation, mm. as well as hypnotism. And then our favorite Church of Scientology, Bless. which started, it was started by Ron Hubbard in 1954, four years before founding the Sinanon, the Santa Monica-based drug rehab that evolved into another dangerous cult. Then you had the Tensegredi cult. I think I pronounced it correctly. It was a cult based on shamanism, yoga, kung fu, mm-hmm. and our favorite, peyote. Ooh. You got it? Start a cult. You love it. <laughs> it's the next logical step. <laughs> and then the famous cult in the 70s, one of the famous ones, was the Source. Founded mm-hmm. with... Oh, yeah. You remember the Source? That was a big one, yeah. That was a big one. So it was founded... With proceeds from um, a Sunset Strip health food cafe of the same name. And the source was Father Yod's tribal community of more than 100 white robe seekers who moved into a Los Feliz mansion in 1972. Yeah. I heard like he slept. There was a documentary in this one, too. He slept Mm. with, I think, like half the women or or majority of the women in in the cult. And they all birthed his children. I think he had like a total of 40 kids. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So the source, like, I know depleted within time, and now a coffee bean sits in its place. Which is its own kind of cult, <laughs> It I is a coffee bean yeah, cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're part of Starbucks cult. We really are. We are. <laughs> we have our Starbies yes. today. Clink clink. <laughs> clink, clink. And then we have the movement of spiritual inner awareness. Beliefs combine elements of Hinduism, Buddhism, and Sikhism. And our favorite family, the Manson family. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were the desert commune slash cult formed in California in the late 60s that was led by Charles Manson. And the group consisted of approximately over 100 of his followers who lived an unconventional lifestyle. That is certainly a way of saying it. Yes. yes. <laughs> using <laughs> using mm. hallucinogenic drugs. They were also responsible for the Tate and LaBianca murders. And then, of course, we hit the Buddha-filled cult that yes. we're definitely going to spill a lot of tea on right now. The cult built on beauty, mm. yoga, and speedos. Well, that was the thing I wanted to like briefly interject is that yeah. I think one of the main things that I find so fascinating about cults is that they are an inverse reflection of the times. And so you sort of see the cults, of course, like the depression cult is about like success and financial stability and right. like pulling yourself up out of the mire mm-hmm. that the country was in. Yeah. And then you kind of move forward into like the early 50s and 60s cults which are about like the exploration of the space age and sci-fi. I mean Scientology is a foundation of L. Ron Hubbard's sci-fi books. That's like really one of the main pillars that mm-hmm. like continues to fund the church for some reason. <laughs> and um, then you, as we move into like the 70s, they right. start implementing a lot more like Eastern teaching, mysticism, yoga starts catching on exactly. as like a workout method. And mm-hmm. then people start adopting that into their spirituality. And then as we move into the 80s, the Buddha field cult is such a prime example of like yuppieism and beauty culture and consumerism culture. And it all, A, LA for better or for worse is kind of like, a tastemaker in the country like what mm-hmm. LA and New York what the coasts find and this isn't like to say whether one is better or worse but just in terms of like 
uh, pop culture, it does start on the coast and then filter into the country, if yeah. you will. And so I think that's why you can see like their cults are a sort of dark mirror of what's going on in pop culture in it the is. country. And that, so like the Buddha field were perfectly positioned mm-hmm. in the mid 80s of this like cult for literally just beautiful people like okay yeah they were a major throwback to the cults of the 60s and 70s you know they ditched the sex drugs and rock and roll Mm -hmm. and they just stuck with smoothies and speedos and yoga yeah (laughs) they were a major throwback but no that was a that was a good little and a total embodiment of los angeles like oh yeah all about like eating clean and like honestly if you if you heard the transcript of his teaching you would be like well that sounds like someone today like i'm on a cleanse i've been hiking in nature (laughs) like i'm just getting really in touch with myself like i'm just detaching from all the things that are holding me back those are all like yeah the teacher's words but they still apply and that's still a very la culture type thing like clean eating clean living outdoor Mm quote-unquote connecting so what you're saying is la is a cult in 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 general you come to la boom you're already in a cult you don't even know it yeah yeah i I, I will, you know, be honest, I got into like cleanses and totally. juices and working out and being more tanned than yeah. usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a cult in his own sense. Bless. <laughs> but we'll definitely hit yeah, on that yeah, note. Yeah, yeah. That's what I have a little oh, thought. No, like, no, as that's, you're a listing great, them, that's a great introduction right there. It's just so amazing because like what they started out as, like, yeah. as in this country, obviously like we could talk about like ancient Greek Shin cults and all of that yeah. or the occult but mm-hmm. I think in this country in particular yeah. they really reflect the times that they are spawned I in. 100% agree it. with you yeah I love it too thanks we're America gonna hit- <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna hit on several of these notes yes. and how could we forget guys the people's temple mm. promoting racial equality and economic fairness founder Jim Jones led 909 of his followers to drink cyanide lace flavor aid in 1978 in Guyana oh, and that leaves us with our favorite cult Heaven's Gate Ugh. which was a UFO religious cult based in San Diego California that was founded in 1974 by Marshall Applewhite who led a mass suicide in 1997 if you were uh, not born during that time google it it's so crazy Mm -hmm. it's such a crazy crazy cult we're definitely going to touch on them eventually so here's another big question too why was la such a hotbed for Mm -hmm. cults like why and why a lot of the cults flourished here and to tell you the truth i listened to an episode of um it was an episode of cults from this podcast called la not so confidential and they're really great um you know Mm -hmm. podcast based out of LA, of course. Hi. Hi. You're gonna get you're gonna get your shout outs soon, guys. Oh, it's coming. It's it's in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so their hosts, FYI, are actual forensic psychologists. Ugh. For one. Obsessed. And they only have ten episodes. Of course they do because they're busy. Yeah. They're they're like guys, like our schedules are so busy. We're so LA. Good no. for them. Good for them to have lives. No, they're really cool. So it's Dr. Scott and Dr. Shiloh explain in this episode that in the early 1700s to late 1800s cults started in southern california due to the lack of medical professionals and socal was a land of nature and mysticism like if you think about it it's it's covered in mountains and greenery it's so unique there's a mystery here Mm -hmm. and of course like we had you know in the earlier times we had all these indian tribes that resided here so people kind of went towards the holistic route with this influence totally 
Then Dr. Scott also mentions that in the mid-1900s, there was um, there was the influence of traditional medicine from the Chinese immigrants, like what we discussed in episode two of the mm-hmm. Cecil Hotel. So Chinese immigrants flourished here, and they brought a lot of their traditional beliefs and medicines here. And with that came a lot of uh, spiritual, uh, spirituality and curiosity. So within time, people were drawn more and more towards spiritualism and holistic healing. And, of course, the world of spiritualism, you can learn more about this from, you know, Peter Aykroyd's book, A History of Ghosts, because they also dive way deep into that world. But it's so true because, like, medicine during that time was not not that great. And people were like, I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. So here were these other outlets, which makes sense. Yeah. Okay, guys, so we're going to go into the buddha filled cult all right here's a little tibbet it started in 1985 in west hollywood we hope by michelle rostand so michelle fyi is a former ballet dancer and surprise gay porn actor (laughs) surprise they always are (laughs) true Frequently clad in little more than a speedo, striking dramatic poses and leveling yet like smoky, hypnotizing gazes, while he spoke in an intriguing accent of indeterminate national origin. Mm -hmm. That was another thing is like, while watching this documentary, where was he from? I have no idea. And it sounded so bad. I know. It sounded really, really bad. He preached a blend of Buddhism, Hinduism, and New Age mysticism that the West Hollywood crowd found absolutely in and irresistible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it was like this was the thing in totally. L.A. So people were like, oh, this is new and this is different. So this cult, I mean group, I mean huh. cult, because they blink, 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 <laughs> blink, blink, they really didn't believe they were a cult. Mm-hmm. Like think, that was an insult. Yeah, I think you would call them the anti-cult. They were the, yeah. <laughs> Which, isn't that just religion, but, <laughs> but okay. But no, no, they're not a cult or anti-cult. They're yeah. a group yeah. who oh. liked yoga and music mm-hmm. and dancing and listening to Michelle talk in this oh. fake accent. So <laughs> the cult embraced self-help, um, yoga, the upkeep of physical appearances, but they were also a cult that really, I mean, group mm-hmm. <laughs> that dove into community service. So they were known as the beauty cult, yoga cult. And in the mid 90s, the cult eventually moves to Austin mm-hmm. and they stay there for a while before they disbanded. And then, you know, Michelle ends up going to Hawaii. We'll get into that later. Yes. The leader, the teacher, Michelle did get some legitimate training, apparently in counseling, hypnosis, therapy, and acting mm-hmm. <laughs> so the members had to pay for their therapy sessions with michelle at one point or what they would call their cleansing sessions mm-hmm. for 50 dollars an hour that's Whoa. how much it cost them so in the buddhafield cult they did communal living and part-time volunteer work for the leader some public service which seemed more genuine than scientology in my opinion totally they were <laughs> all about the community and Scientology was all about that money, Mm -hmm. all right? So they helped two paraplegics on a daily basis and made them even a part of their group. They would dance, they would sing, meditate, and they were very close to nature Mm -hmm. and very close to each other. At one point, they built a dance theater to train in ballet with Michelle. It is like, it's most, all in that documentary. That, they like show the photo of the theater. And I was yeah. Like, oh my god, it's like breathtaking. It's it like is this beautiful cathedral up on like a mountain vista. I'm like, Y'all exactly. Built this? It was built to perfection. It's insane. And not to mention, like they were building like structure after structure. Yeah. And Michelle was like, no, it's not perfect. Yeah, no, it's yeah, not yeah. right. 
and then finally they got it right. Mm-hmm. But oh my god, yeah, it was beautiful. So here's the thing about Michelle. He was actually born Jaime Gomez, according mm-hmm. to Holy Hell. Now, like Charles Manson, Jaime Gomez chased fame. Mm-hmm. Michelle came to America to be a movie star and briefly appeared in Rosemary's Baby. I posted it on Instagram. He he had a non-speaking part. I watched it and missed it. Yeah, he and then like, I had to like rewind it. And I was yeah. Like, oh yeah, I guess he's in it. Okay. It's one of those. It's one of those things, Bryce. Like where you're like, wait, did you catch it? Wait, go back mm-hmm. five times. You have to mm-hmm. rewind and then pause it at the right second. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As Budafield members later discovered, he starred in gay porn and, according to speculation, even dabbled in the dark arts. Now, uh, when those fields didn't pan out, Michelle adopted a role of a lifetime self-appointed prophet. Attracted to Michelle's messages of healing and self-fulfillment, newcomers often gave themselves over to Budafeld readily, calling him the teacher. They ditched functioning society and moved into one of Budafeld's several houses together. Rape survivors, for example, felt cleansed, and lost souls found salvation mm-hmm. through Michelle's tutelage and their newfound family. In joining Budafeld, some sought to escape society's authoritative decrees or replace drug habits with spiritual highs. Mm-hmm. Others were tossed out of their homes or contending with trauma or even battling disillusionment with their respective religions. Most maintained low-end jobs to pay rent, but they rarely communicated with the people who were not a part of the roughly 100-member organization. Hmm. Life as they knew it ended, and for more than two decades, they absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Then we come out with this this interesting documentary. Yes. In 2016, that was two decades in the making. Mm-hmm. Holy Hell is a rich footage that was directed by Will Allen and shot for 22 years with the Budafield cult. Much of it focuses on the leader who called himself Michelle or the teacher. And it was a leader who spent much of his time in Speedos and Maui yeah. Jim Ray-Ban sunglasses. Bless. So... The week that Holy Hell came out, CNN reached out to Michelle. They asked him, um, like, what did you thought of the film? And he called the film pure fiction designed to create drama, fear, and persecution. I'm trying to figure out how he would have said it in his accent, like, create drama. I know. It's so, it's like transatlantic (laughs) and like a little bit of French and a little bit of Spanish, like all mixed together. Like what is, I can, I can like barely understand. (laughs) How did anyone follow his teachings? Like I can't understand. I couldn't understand what he was saying. It was so uncomfortable to sit through some of those scenes. Oh my God. Yeah. So, okay. Um, it's that time where we're like, Let's talk. Yes, yes. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk about holy hell. Yeah. All right. So Will Allen is the documentarian for Budafield, specifically Right, so for he him. was in, his sister yeah. was in the cult initially, and then he and, and their middle sister also joined, mm-hmm. and then he kind of became like the official videographer yes slash producer of all of the films that they would produce like the propaganda films and the artistic was, films yeah so he has like all of this footage from his time as like this teacher's personal videographer 
insane. Assistant and soon will later sexual object. Yes. Let's just say it. But yeah, Will Allen, you know, was a film student. Like he Mm -hmm. graduated from film school. So he he had dreams and he was originally from here. I think he was Mm -hmm. from Long Beach and he had dreams to be a film director. Mm -hmm. And then he ends up, you know, being in this cult. And he collected, you know, footage, two decades of footage that, you know, made this documentary huge. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, one of the most, like, in-depth looks inside of a cult. Oh, yeah. Because you're seeing, like, all of these, like, personal meetings that, like, you wouldn't be able to see had he not been filming. You could maybe hear someone retelling it, but to actually see the ceremonies is very intense. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, it... There are several times throughout the documentary that I had to press pause and Same. just ask myself, what did I just witness? Mm-hmm. What did I just see? For me, I mean, like, I was stuck how young mm. and how attractive most of the members were oh. when the cult started. They I, were very young and very attractive. They seemed more willing to surrender their power mm-hmm. and themselves to the teacher or Michelle more readily than most people who joined Scientology, in sure. my my opinion, who are looking for help and looking to get more self-awareness, unlike, you know, Ron Hubbard's or Charles Manson's totally. robots. But in yes. the end, they kind of become Michelle's robots. That was the thing that was, like, so striking to me is that First of all, every man in the Buddha Field cult could get it. I like every single time I'm just like, Oh yeah, he's cute. Oh yeah, he's really cute. Like, oh, oh. So I would have for sure joined this cult because apparently that's all it takes. This is the time of the podcast where we ask Bryce who he would have slept with in the cult. Who who wouldn't he have? That's the real question. Oh, she she's thirsty, friends. Um, Very thirsty. Take a sip yeah, of no, sip take the a sarbs. sip. Just sip of your juice, Shelby, mm. right there. Shelby, take your juice. Um, but that's <laughs> the thing I think that I found so interesting is that for such a long duration, they really were a sort of force for good. Yes. And the community was so lovely and, like, positive. And they even said, like, we would joke that, like, if we were a cult, at least we were a good cult. That's, like, a line from the film. Yeah. And I just think, like, you know, they're doing all of this beautiful community service, and they're so connected to one another. And it's almost like, yeah, there's, like, this eccentric uncle who's kind of, like, leading it. Yeah. But really, it's them connecting to one another in a really selfless, beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, this one story in particular, and this man is describing hit one of his services was to make like fruit salad and oh. i was getting so emotional during that part. goldstein that yes. was his last name was i think it was his first name was jeremy i couldn't focus because his eyes his, are so he beautiful. was so beautiful. so beautiful i was like wow Could not was, focus. and his teeth i was like damn i know it's it's ridiculous. yeah it was beautiful um, <laughs> him and the one I, I can't that's not the point i'm sorry 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 sorry, sorry. okay bryce Ooh, is thirsty i just need to focus focus um yeah it's a whole thing um but he's describing making these fruit salads and they're show and they're like fruit salad mosaics they're the most beautiful food creations oh yeah with like carved fruit and beautiful portraitures and landscapes out of fruit and they were being put in a blender to make like a fruit smoothie and he kept making them because he like in his heart felt like he was making them for God and so it didn't matter what Aww. happened to them yeah i remember that and i was that. like so choked up by that i was like what a beautiful selfless act 
yeah of he like put a love lot of yeah thought and time and love into it and that's how they all were they all they were talked gorgeous. about it yeah. just really like well i would like work so that i could help and like donate and like we would come together and like raise the funds and like no one would go hungry and it's this beautiful it starts out and it's so well intentioned yeah but that's th- the beginning yes they, they all had well intentions they yes. were like i said before they're all lost souls and they were just looking for a sense of community and that's how will allen got sucked into it because his sisters yeah. were in the the group first right his oldest sister was that's right. and then him and then they brought their middle sister in mm-hmm. Um, and she's my favorite. She does not have time yes. for any of it. She's like, yeah, I was in it, but I was like pretty skeptical. And let me tell you some tea. She's very lucid. She is like <laughs> my, I love her. She's like the, yeah. the voice of reason through the whole she film. Is. Love it. Um, and then, you know, it's that thing where if you have a lot of a group of people looking for fulfillment and a person who is providing them the quote way to that fulfillment? Yeah, that is a very susceptible relationship to exploitation, because you have people who are looking for an answer, and you have a person who's looking for adoration by telling them like it's through me, I will show you the way. So it becomes this like very codependent relationship. Yes, between the people who are receiving God, quote unquote, mm-hmm. through. Michelle, Andreas, the teacher, whatever he, yes. whatever you want to call him. Yes. And then he is receiving just constant, we love you, we need you, you're my whole life, you're my whole... And his ego is just being inflated, inflated, inflated. And if you look at where this is happening in the timeline, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the sort of satanic panic of the late 80s, early 90s is gripping the country, and cults are sort of being targeted, if you will, mm-hmm. by external forces. And I think that paranoia coupled with his incredibly inflated ego is where it starts to turn. So yeah. now he's super paranoid. He's afraid that the cult's going to break up and that he's going to lose all of his influence over this group of people. Mm-hmm. And so that initially spurns their move to Texas. But then Waco happens yes like 30 minutes north it's so close and i think that just doubles down and he goes insane yes that's true that is true because like they they ended up moving to um austin they they end up um i think one of the followers had put a lot of money down Mm -hmm. onto a house this huge commune yes and they are there for a while now let's how about this like how how about we do this like what was I guess a good way of explaining this mm-hmm. is, is like what was the group's way of getting newbies to come in and then recruitment yes the, let's talk about the recruitment yes. and let's also talk about the teachings yes let's because let's because I know like we're, we're going like all over the place and people I know. are like well, well, what, what were so they much, teaching yes. besides yoga and, and making smoothies <laughs> that is re- so I think there's like several the reason I brought that up is oh, yeah. that there are several stages oh there and were so several I think in stage one while it's still based here in Los Angeles it really is uh, mostly just about yoga clean living communal service and connecting to god through the beauty around you in the moment yes so his teachings i mean and you see the footage he's very calm they're in the ocean they're in the forest 
they're dancing with nature. It is very hippie-esque, mm-hmm. but it's a very pure kind of expression of like them in the water releasing their past traumas and him saying like, if you live in the past, you're shackled by it. If you are anxious for the right. future, you're stealing from yourself. Your happiness is within you now. These sort of like very WeHo-esque semi-spiritual ideas and then like they sing a song you know what I mean yes so that would be like stage one and I think that's where most of the original members yeah got plugged in is this like beautiful group of people living a beautiful clean lifestyle Mm -hmm. serving one another and like experiencing God in nature that's like the purest form of what this group was mm-hmm. and that's like what we'll call like stage one I guess for that yeah of a term. they were all doing yoga yes um Mich- my in my thinking like Michelle used meditation mm-hmm. dancing and nature along with therapy um what was the crack in the foundation um is that there was no processing right there there was this crack and of course since the cult was smaller the members felt more bonded to the leader and you know that's how it all started like there's this bond and people right. were like attracted to that as well totally and it was like it's i mean it did it started in sessions with meditation yes. the cleansing sessions and the yoga sessions and then it spawned from there yes yeah. and i think again when you were you know, they're seeing this man and he's their therapist and yes. he's their leader and he's their activities coordinator. Yeah. And he's saying all of these things. And the first like cult like declaration is like no sex. Like he really is against sexuality. No, sex, no drugs. Yeah. And yeah. the drugs, like I can see with like the clean living and all of that. Right. But he was really adamant that they like not have no sex sex, no masturbation no nothing yeah so for the first bit they all do like kind of adhere to that but like you're gonna put a group of like stunningly beautiful people together like Mm -hmm. come on grow up yeah you saw how touchy-feely everyone was yeah i mean they're like (laughs) naked in the ocean like Uh, shit's gonna pop up figuratively (laughs) literally (laughs) biblically like i don't know So then I would say stage two of the teaching is in Texas, where it really... Agree. They're actively recruiting. Oh, yeah. People are coming. I think the cult... Or sorry, the group. Sure. uh, Grows to its (laughs) biggest size in Texas. Mm -hmm. There's some people still in LA. There's some people in Texas. They're flooding in. I think they're almost at 100, right? Yeah. It's like really ballooned to its like heyday. Yeah. They're producing all of this like work... And the teaching does sort of shift Mm -hmm. from experiencing God to a more protecting the cult and protecting the teacher and elevating the teacher's craft, if you will. Like all of the dancing is focused around him. Uh, That's the one thing I couldn't stand so much about him is just the dancing. And it's always about... Mm-hmm. That's when you know you're in a cult. That's one of oh, the yeah. things is like when everything is about the leader. And they even said that they're like we didn't like we just would say like well when did this switch from being about finding God within ourselves mm-hmm. to being about Him and like His needs? Oh my yes yes I 100% agree with that and I have something right here Ooh, just yes. to to plug it in. So like 
cults are about grasping and preserving mm-hmm. absolute and unconditional control. That's yes. something that I that I was like learning while yes. researching. And cults are fueled and they thrive on control. So the willingness to surrender control comes from excessive devotion to the leader and the leader's vision, Michelle's vision. Mm-hmm. So the leader's personal agenda is presented in this like universal mm-hmm. elixir. I have the answers to the meaning of life just you know, take a sip of this elixir. Mm-hmm. And one that eradicates both personal and global moral, ethical, spiritual maladies. Mm. And the follower's faith becomes both the provider and the enabler. Yes. And while researching, I came across something like that you were, mm-hmm. you know, gearing towards um, a little tidbit from Alan. Mm-hmm. And he stated in an interview with CNN.com in 2016, it echoes exactly what you're saying. He states, the the master's message no longer was about connecting with God. Mm-hmm. It was all about the master. The song ceased to be about God anymore, and we were all about master. The events, homemade movies, ballets, as well as the vibrations inside of us were no longer about God. They were about master. Instead of connecting to God's love, it was connect to my love. This is all. This is all that is said in in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And my love is Michelle's love. That's yes. who is he referring to. So, like, yeah, that plugs into exactly what you were just describing. Yeah, and it's such a like crazy shift. But you know, it's like he didn't start out there. It starts Mm-mm. with a decade of experiencing God, and that he mm-hmm. happens to be the the guide to God, not a God in their like world if you will yeah the first thing i think that he really does that's like super manipulative and like his first like assertion of control over them is in the i almost said the happening but that's the, the tree movie, the knowing thank that's you that's where i wanted to go to yeah the knowing that is the first time that was creepy that, you know it's almost like a decade in that they do that yes and it's really shady because only some of the members got to experience the knowing. knowing yeah and so what a smart you know i don't know how aware he was i think he was very calculating oh yeah but to give it to members and then sort of be like to the people he didn't quote give it to like well you're just not like you're spiritually not, yeah, ready enough you're not spiritually to he then said double that to one them of the down yeah. oh, I remember oh, that. so mad so fyi guys the knowing was a session it highlights um it's like an exercise they called Schottky, a transfer of energy between the master, Michelle, and the student, and it's most intense. Uh, it, it, it transfers the energy from like his inner being to the student. Um, it's what the followers describe as, um, it's like flashing lights and colors. Mm-hmm. It's better than an LSD trip and an overwhelming sense of bliss. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the knowing was no less than making a direct connection with God. It was the direct hotline to God, in yes. other words. And it wasn't giving, given, he wasn't giving it to all of his students, like you said, uh, but it's what kept people coming yes. back. Because people were like, no, I deserve to know God. Mm-hmm. And I deserve to be a part of that direct line to mm-hmm. him. And that's, I mean, in his in Michelle's mind, that was smart. Oh, yeah. That's how he kept them around. It's so crazy that like, I'll give it to some people. Mm-hmm. The people that don't, I'll tell them that it's their fault they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So the people that had it will want this high again. The people that didn't get it will work harder to get it. Oh, yeah. And it's word of mouth. Like, you yes. have no idea. Yes. Like, like people were, like, in, a, like, a state of, like, 
they were fainting, they were crying. Oh yeah, it was full on like Beatles performance yeah. <laughs> level, like just insanity. <laughs> they couldn't describe it. Yeah. Like they needed to, like to be on their own for a while. Like that's I mean when people saw that they're like I want that. Yes. I want that. Yeah. So then we fast forward to Texas mm-hmm. and it's sort of all of that same level of devotion, but now it's to the the fulfillment of his goals and i think the part that like broke my heart or like (laughs) excuse me i just choked on coffee i got so upset (laughs) um the part as people who are in the arts that made me so upset was like they're describing these productions that they would put on Mm -hmm. and just knowing as we know what it takes to get a show up and watching them like sitting in the room and they're sewing these costumes and there's these big elaborate sets and this building alone oh is God, like yeah. a literal cathedral and like all of this work, all of this money, all of this energy and they're dancing and it's beautiful. I mean, he's not a very good dancer. Like, let's just start there. Um, Some of them were, but... Former. Keyword was former. Yeah, <laughs> so he's like hopping around the stage and I was like, oh no. Your form is off, honey. But they would like put these they would rehearse for a year they would put on these shows one time yeah for themselves mm-hmm. no one else saw them it's not like they raised money for them no or like through the tickets or whatever it was just through them and for them aka him and him like it's just the most narcissistic yes abusive like yes. for some reason that affected me as much as any of the other abuses that he like met out oh my like, god you made them put on a full show and no one came and saw it like oh but god. it was recorded i mean we yeah. had like, yeah, but still all that for no audience and it was just for uh, their self. yeah performance for a uh, performance what? for me nothing compares with the creepiness of david mcavey mm. fyi uh Church of Scientology leader, the yes. current one, and mm. some of Hubbard's followers, you know, and, and I, I don't know that they're neck and neck at that point totally. with me. <laughs> well, and it really is like in Texas, they're really actively recruiting people. So they're going into like local yoga classes. Oh, yeah. Teaching. Many of them were fit, like fitness trainers or yogi, yoga instructors, mm-hmm. um, actively recruiting, getting more members to kind of sustain this like community that they had um but it's you know starting to get so wrapped up in him and his paranoia and his sort of like machinations like of individuals especially in these like hypnotherapy sessions they've essentially exposed themselves Mm -hmm. to being manipulated like he has a perfect system where it's like the whole ex- point of this group is to like serve what I tell you and like every week you have to be doing this therapy and then while they're still in Texas and this is what I think if we will like stage three of the teaching yes is like the scandal and then the Hawaii move exactly we'll go into now the sexual misconduct yes because this was like very heartbreaking mm-hmm. for me and oh, other yes. things that came about that we'll talk about but Look, yes stage here's the thing. three <laughs> having grown up in a very religious uh i almost said cult i'm <laughs> i'm not in a cult no you're, uh, you're raised but Christian. raised incredibly yeah. religiously it's the people who argue and rail against quote sin the most who are 
in my experience, the ones that are struggling with it. They are so against it because it's hitting too close to home. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because in this instance with the teacher, he's all about beauty. He's all about youth and no sex and a clean life. And then you start to look into his personal life and his personal existence and it's like he's constantly wearing makeup and it's just caked on and he's like constantly um his his uh, plastic surgery he's getting plastic surgery people but he's are like not full, yeah comfortable with that yeah and mm-hmm. so it really does shift so it's like all the things that he's saying are important he like doesn't clearly believe because he's not abiding by those teachings mm-hmm. which has always been my experience it's like if someone's like oh homosexuality is bad they're probably going to be the republican senator who has the sex scandal not to like typify people but just in that metaphor right you know what i mean <laughs> whatever the actual thing may be the ones who are the loudest against it are usually the ones who you will like catch you know what yeah. i mean and i think that applies to him so he's like don't have sex meanwhile this letter comes out the email <gasps> oh yeah and it basically that was the crack of the foundation. That was the whole that thing. That was the whole shake. <laughs> yes. And so it says, like, the, a member was leaving, and he basically, like, lists out all these accusations against the teacher, mm-hmm. talking about the years of sexual abuse that he's been, uh, what, I don't even know what the word is, abusing, I guess, mm-hmm. the male members of the group yeah. in these private sessions. They called it the box sessions Oof. because there is this thing that Will Allen would talk about mm-hmm. where he would have to go and get the box and that was the oh. creepiest thing so Allen and his friends Goldstein and Johnston mm-hmm. Goldstein beautiful man Johnston um, was another individual argued that they were never interested in the guru sexually mm-hmm. um, they were all much younger than Michelle Andreas the teacher um, when they say um, when they say they um, that he groomed them and turned them into his concubines, mm-hmm. like in the picture uh, that I posted on Instagram with their faces, you can yes. see all of them there. Those were his concubines. And basically, he would because they were dancing all the time. He would have quote personal masseuses, yes, to like work him out as their service. They were like their service was to help serve him personally. Oh. So they were literally his right-hand people at all times. Here's a little tidbit from Alan, and this is what creeped me out. According to Alan on CNN.com, Michelle was a creature of habit, and they say he reserved a day for each of them. Alan was Thursdays, Goldstein was Tuesdays and Saturdays, and Johnston, who was straight, uh, always drew Mondays. They had been taught to bow in submission as a way to connect with God. And that is how their guru groomed them, they say. That Michelle will ask him to go get the black box, referring to like the television. Mm-hmm. And Alan would always try to kind of like distract him. And what they meant what he meant by the box is put on the porn because mm-hmm. I need to get aroused before I have intercourse with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just so like so this email comes out Mm -hmm. and it's sort of the first crack in the group you could argue that the move to texas was a little bit of one yeah but because it was an external force there was a man trying to get the cult broken up from the outside Mm -hmm. they kind of rally around him and all move to texas 
uh, in Texas, this is the first crack from a member within. And it kind of divides the community between people who think it's plausible and are starting to withdraw from the group. Yeah. And people who kind of rally around the teacher. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's so crazy because in the interviews, one of the people who was like staunchly defending Michelle was one of the men who was being raped. Mm-hmm. Like that level of disconnect is yeah. so terrifying. And this is where you really start to see the very real mind control that these people are in Mm -hmm. especially all three of i think there were many more who were being abused oh yeah but these three men in particular were like his like he would wake them up in the middle of the night and be like we're going like we have to go right now and they would just do what he said they would like they were at his beck and call yeah and i think for them it's just so heartbreaking because they on the one hand, they're not leaving. They're not able to, like, free themselves mm-hmm. because it's so wrapped up. And he would tell them these things, like, if you leave, you'll die. And, like, I'm wrestling with God for your soul. Like, you just have to do what I say. It's like Oh, for, they were very manipulated. They were 100% yeah. like, brainwashed. And, yeah. like, you know, the one is, like, describing how that would, like, happen. And he would be, like, trying to get away. And the teacher, instead of saying, like, or acknowledging that, like, he was raping them. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, who are you trying to push away? Like, what is it? And he would try and trick them into thinking that, like, they were experiencing, like, a childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And then that, they, that was why they were rejecting him. Yeah. At, when in reality, they just didn't want to sleep with this man. Yeah. And so it was, like, this really twisted, manipulative... They're... Um, the surface the closest to him but they're also being abused by him and then they're the ones defending him and mm-hmm. covering up for him and he never really did he did a very good job of keeping everyone in the dark so no one knew that it was happening to anyone else and yeah. none of the women knew that it was happening at all yeah because he was really only targeting like the men in the group unfortunately Let's talk about what he did with the women because that was also very mm. heartbreaking. Right. And that, yeah, he that was, was a monster to everybody. God. I mean, the men, I mean, it was horrific, but some of the women too endured yes. a lot of, in my opinion, mental man, like abuse and manipulation. Oh my goodness, yes. And there was that one woman, um, the, one of the followers that they interviewed in the documentary that she had fallen in love with one of the followers. Mm-hmm. They had a secret romance. They slept together. She got pregnant. And she tells Michelle, oh, like, I'm pregnant. You know, I feel bad. What do I do? He's like, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, like, this child was made out of love. This Mm -hmm. wasn't a mistake. Mm -hmm. I want to keep it. We want to keep it. He's like, no, no, get rid of it. Get rid of it or you're out of the group. Yeah. And she goes ahead and she has the abortion. Several. Yeah. And, you know, he it's it's all these levels. There's people that he's forcing to get plastic surgery so oh, he yeah. can see if it's safe or how it's like affects them. They were the guinea before pigs. Before he will get it. Oh, yeah. And he's forcing women to get abortions. And he's telling people who they can and can't like be with. And he's raping men in their private sessions. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, telling women like the one that he told her he would kick her out if she kept her dog. And like just at every level breaking these people down mm-hmm. who started out as just a group of people who were like supporting each other yeah and now they're like under his sway and he's just playing with their lives because he can mm-hmm. 
and I know he did. Oh, what did he do to one of the to to Alan's sisters too? He did something with one of them. Mm. I think he told her something that she needed to lose weight or she needed to get something done to herself, oh. and she was like completely objective with him. Mm-hmm. And he does this thing, and you even mentioned it too, where whenever they would kind of challenge him. He would do this thing where he would tell them, you better drop your mind. Drop your mind. Drop your mind. Drop your mind. Any kind of resistance (laughs) was an affront to God. It was not that you were, like, right or had a valid opinion. It's that you weren't open to, like, the spiritual teaching. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, a way to break (sighs) people down. Yeah. So this allegation (laughs) comes out, and he essentially goes to Hawaii with yes. the people who still support him. Yes. And they kind of abandon the commune in Texas. He abandons it. He goes off with another follower. It was a female follower. Mm-hmm. They sell. Something happen, happens. Um, they just, Well, she confronts him and says, she, like, because yeah. now it starts to come out mm-hmm. and they're furious they're very furious he leaves in the in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and deserts them and she basically tells him you have to go and we won't press charges but if yes. you like resist this at all uh-huh. we're going to prosecute so she like skulks him off to hawaii to like get him away from his like prey essentially exactly so that leads us to where is michelle now mm, you know indeed where he is now in um Lani Kai, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. That's where he's at. So according to Alan, they said that they're um, hearing disturbing things from the friends that actually followed him to Hawaii. Oh. So the, when he deserted them, there were actually a couple of people that went to go look for him. Mm-hmm. And they were very loyal to him still. So they said that the master knew um, the master knew that you know a lot of people were kind of after him from the States and that he had whatever followers there. And he is still collecting new acolytes and calling himself Reggie, mm-hmm. which is king, no God King. God King. The God King. Ew. Concerned neighbors say that he has taken to walking the streets of Lani Kai in disguise with a cane and, and wearing a white surgical mask and sometimes his Speedos. Oh, God. <laughs> he has taken up residence on the island with a new band of followers. And he has already um, a new commune that Alan and his friends, who are no longer a part mm-hmm. of Budafil, they call it the Fortress. And oh. it's built that way. You, you see it in the documentary mm-hmm. towards the end. There's signs that say, like, no trespassing. Mm-hmm. There's fences surrounding him. And at one point, they kind of get a glimpse at, you know, the inside of it. And they see, you know, there he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle walking around in his speedos, his followers, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like just following him everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then there's that interaction on the beach which is my waspy little heart could barely handle it it's like oh, oh my, my god. god no it's so much so there's this scene where alan and his friends find out where he is they kind of stake him out for a mm-hmm. couple of days and then they kind of like approach him when him and his followers are at this beach they're just mm-hmm. sitting there and then alan goes up to him and i'm like oh god he's something's gonna happen and then they just stare at each other for like 45 years. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? What's going on? And then you mentioned, he said. He's like, are you being a good boy? I was oh. like, oh God, just boil my skin <laughs> off of my body. Oh. oh, no. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Um, When I was researching um, Lonnie Kai mm. and this group, his group, um, 
I was on their Facebook page. Oh God! And there was a man, this gentleman who was, um, he was in the military. Oops, he was in the military, and he, um, him and his wife moved to Lani Kai. And he said that he lost his wife to this cult. Oh no! And in his letter, I'll, I'll go over it briefly, but he pretty much states that he was stationed there. Him and his wife. His wife just had um, mm-hmm. given birth to their son. Oh. And she decides, oh, I'm going to go try this yoga class. Recruitment. Guess whose yoga class is mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So um, she takes a yoga class. Okay. She starts taking it three times a week, four times a week, six times a week. So he's noticing, okay, like, this is really good for her. This mm-hmm. is what she, she needs. So he's like, okay, it's really cool. Like, she's learning to eat. She's really, you know, getting back in her state of mind. You know, she had just given birth. Wow. Then they tell her, if you're really into this, you know, this whole world, this lifestyle, then you should be a part of the teaching certification program. Mm. So he goes on and explains that the wife, just without his acknowledgement, without even talking to him about it, pays forty grand to take the forty grand. Oh, get 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 this. She pays the forty grand. Oh my god. Six days a week, twelve hours each day. She's a mom. She's a mom. Oh. So she signs up, pays for it, is going to take it, and it's a six-week program, and tells them, don't worry about the child. My family, my mom and dad are flying here, so they're going to take care. They're going to help take care of our baby. He's like, okay, first off, the in-laws are coming. Uh (laughs) And second, when were you going to tell me Uh about this? And third, 40 grand, we have a child to raise. Like, what the hell? So he notices a deterioration in their marriage in her and in, in you know their personal relationship and mm-hmm. her she becomes more distant her time is mainly spent with this group uh-huh. and eventually they end up divorcing she leaves her husband oh my god to join this group so she's a part of the fortress he goes on in the letter to state that they're separated they're divorced he had given her full custody of the child surprisingly and um, with the you know advantage of you know visitations two to three times a week, and he said that uh, after one month, you know things were okay. He was seeing his child on a regular basis, oh, no. and then he was noticing that he's seeing him less and less. And as of today, he hasn't seen his child in several months, nor his wife. Oh my god! Yeah, and this is all to do with God King mm-hmm. Raishi and his cult followers Mm -hmm. he's like they're a fucking cult they use yoga as you know a deterrent like it's just it's all a sham like they took my wife they took my child that makes me so sad it's really sad i found yeah i found that little letter like while researching because i was like what what are they doing there and it just like it popped up in their facebook and that's the thing that's so crazy is that with the cults like the manson family Mm -hmm. and a lot of the cults in the 70s especially, they have such violent, fantastical ends. Oh, yeah. They're very of the time. But this cult has now spanned almost 30 years. I mean, think about how much has changed in our country since the 80s, in our lives, Mm -hmm. in, in the last five years. So for this group to survive and adapt and sort of continue on over these very tumultuous three decades is so insane to me because I remember as soon as I was watching it 
was like, wait, this took place in the 80s and the 90s? Like, who the hell joins a cult in the early 2000s? Like, what? We have the internet. Like, we, I don't understand how someone could join a cult in the modern era. Well, remember American Horror Story? They did their last season in cults. So, you know, you have these political cults. Totally. And we are now, I, in my opinion, I feel like we're a nation truly divided. Oh, yes. You know, and I feel like, Mich- you know, Michelle, a.k.a. Jaime, a.k.a. the God King, is really taking it, like advantage of it. 100%. You know, people feel lost right now. And he's created this community of, like, love and spiritualism and yeah. mysticism. And all in, in, all in all, it's a cult. Oh, yeah. It's benefiting him and it's his security blanket. Yeah. And a lot of people know that or they're just too blind to even see it yeah mm-hmm. so all in all guys <laughs> just don't join cults don't join cults <laughs> but, I, but like here's the thing like I, I do crossfit crossfit's a cult uh, so <laughs> i don't know do what you're gonna do i guess like <laughs> live That's your life true like how are they a cult like you explained it to me like they- oh it it ticks all the boxes like if you look at what a cult uh, needs in mm-hmm. order to be classified as such by like the government, if yeah. you will. It's basically a group of people, like you were saying at the beginning, uh, devoted to a common teaching or a common ideal mm-hmm. that affects their lifestyle, the people that they hang out with, the clothing that they wear, the food that they eat, and the way that they spend their time. That is CrossFit in it, it's a cult of fitness. So, again, I sound like phase one of a buddha field essentially like, yeah yeah but at least it's like a good call <laughs> this is a fitness because call. it is it's it, it, all the people that i talk to at the gym mm-hmm. we all use oh and that's another thing you use uh agreed upon vernacular so there's all this like terminology that cults use that you just understand and like adapt into your life and it's how you spend your time and <laughs> yeah i mean technically by all like standards crossfit is a cult Mm -hmm. i just like also happen to not like believe in it as a religion you know what i mean (laughs) for now we'll see i don't know i'm just using it for cardio (laughs) and for my glutes my glutes are looking really good they're (laughs) They're very tight (laughs) my hand accidentally brushed upon them on that it was on accident but i was like wow they're really firm pert thank you oh my god so according to jayanti tam of huffington post here are the 10 signs that the group you joined is a cult we're gonna go over them real quickly before we take a promo break all right so number one the leader and group are always correct and anything the leader does can be justified number two questions suggestions and critical inquiry are forbidden Mm. number three members incessantly Ramble with cramped schedules, activities full of largely meaningless work based on the leader's agenda. Mm. Number four, followers are meant to believe that they are never good enough. Hmm. Required dependency, this is number five, required dependency upon the leader and or group for even the most basic problem solving. Mm -hmm. Number six, reporting on members for disobedient actions or thoughts is mandated and rewarded. Number seven, monetary, sexual, and servial labor is expected to gain promotion. Eight, the outside world, often including your family and friends, is presented as rife with impending catastrophe, evil, and temptations. Mm -hmm. Number nine, recruitment and new members is designed to be purposefully upbeat, vague, and all about their operations of a leader and group. Mm -hmm. And number 10, 
former members are shunned and perceived as hostile. Yes. So Drop these, your mind. <laughs> so these are the 10 uh, signs that the group you joined is a cult. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Or as the, <laughs> what is it? My favorite murder. They have that favorite, um, the funny quote, like, you're in a cult. Call your dad. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Call your dad. Call your dad. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick promo break before we hit on the paranormal aftermath. Yes. So you don't want to miss this. So there was no real paranormal aftermath with the Buddhafield cult, but it turns out that one of the producers Ugh. of this documentary was dealing with ghosts on his own. What a twist. I know, during the filming of this documentary, so we'll go over that shortly. Yes. Psst, Bryce. Hey, girl. Do you know what an RSS feed is? Uh, really smooth Starbucks? <laughs> I, I thought the same thing, too, but nope. It's really simple stuff, or ah. according to Wikipedia, it's a really simple syndication. Right. That's the thing that Blueberry provided us with when we started our podcast. <laughs> yes, let's be real. None of us knew where to start out while mm-hmm. creating our podcast in the beginning, and Blueberry helped us out a I lot. I know. They seriously make everything easy for us podcasters. Blueberry hosting is highly optimized for using WordPress with PowerPress. Blueberry makes publishing your podcast in three easy steps. Step one, produce your podcast. Mm -hmm. Two, write your blog post. Three, publish. It's like a recipe. WordPress plus PowerPress plus Blueberry hosting equals success. Mm, I like that, a recipe. Hosting with Blueberry also allows you to be in control. Plus, there are no third-party sites to log into, no contracts, so you can cancel anytime. It's optimized for iTunes and creates support for all platforms. So, if you're browsing for a new hosting site or if you're planning to start your own podcast, then Blueberry is the perfect place. Head on over to our website, hollyweirdparanormal.blueberry.net. Scroll down our blog post and click on the Blueberry tab link. And use our promo code WEIRD if you're interested in receiving a free month by signing up with Blueberry.com. Free is a good thing. Start creating with Blueberry.com. All right, but now I am craving Starbucks. (laughs) Let's go all drive. Yes. Hey, guys, we're back. All right, guys, so we're back for the ghosts. Ready for this? So, uh, like I said before, there was no paranormal aftermath with the Buddhafield cult. However, it turns out that one of the producers of the documentary of Holy Hell is living in a supposedly haunted ex-military base in Laurel Canyon. Gasp. Guess what street in the canyon. Stop. Just guess, Bryce, where this house resides. Is it on the same one as the Tates? Mm-mm. Oh, no. We just did an episode of this. Which On the, um... Oh, come on. Co- <laughs> come on, coffee. Kick in. Here we go. Yep. The Wonderland. Oh, that, that was my next guess. <laughs> it's off of Wonderland Stop. Avenue. Don't live there, friends. <laughs> so... Actor Jared Leto, known for starring in such films such as uh, Suicide Squad, uh, The Dallas Buyers Club, and Requiem for a Dream, as well as his career-making role as the character Jordan Catalano on the hit 90s TV show My So-Called Life, Mm -hmm. is currently enjoying an unusual living situation. You see, Leto's home is a converted Air Force base on the tip of the Hollywood Hills in the the canyons in Laurel what? Canyon off of Wonderland Avenue, and it's apparently haunted. 
Oh my god! <laughs> Literally, when I saw that he was a producer, I was—I just went, "What?" They're always producers. They always a lot, are. a lot of them are. A lot of these actors and actresses are producers. Gotta make that money. Gotta that... make. No, this is what you like when you have money. Mm-hmm. You just dump it somewhere. Dump it somewhere. <laughs> Feel free to produce anything you want in my life, Jared. <laughs> well, it turns out that Jared Leto saw a rough cut of the documentary mm-hmm. or uh, whatever they shot. I think it was like mm-hmm. not the whole documentary, or, or I think just the preliminary stages sure. of it. And then he thought to himself he needed to be a part of it. Wow. So in the midst of this, he was like, hey, he reached out to Will. He's like, hey, let me help. Let me be one of the producers. Whoa. And Will was like, uh, of course, Jared Leto, <laughs> I would hit that. Uh. So <laughs> Jared Leto starts to work on the film after he buys this $5 million home. It's a beautiful home, by the way. Of course. And then something started to surface. So <laughs> here's a little background on the converted Air Force base that he lives in. So this was a this is a 50,000 square foot base once referred to as Lookout Mountain Air Force Station. And it was built during World War II and it includes a bomb shelter, weapons vault and radar station. Oh my god. Of course, it's not like Jared's like, "Oh, this is so cool." He's so so the Laurel Canyon compound often referred to as the Lookout Mountain Laboratory and or the Lookout Mountain Air Force Station was originally built in the early 40s and was used until the late 60s as a military film studio where amongst other classified projects and small army of like filmmakers and photographers with top secrets clearance made training films and documented military research on atomic bomb tests oh my god yeah so th- yeah a lot of those like you know those little like black and white grainy films yeah. that you see of like bombs going off they were actually done there yeah they're miniature models that they filmed at this location it employed over 250 people in its time and then i found out that it was used as a like a sound stage for get this gay porn in the 80s sure that I makes told- sense that <laughs> all you remember out. Look, gays in the military go hand in hand. I don't care what they say. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like we said in the last episode, it's like porn mm-hmm. all came from like the canyons. Oh, it really did though. Valley. I know. It's on the cusp right there. So, um, so it was used as a soundstage for gay porn. And then in the 90s, it was briefly used as a rehab facility. We'll go into that. It's a lot of tea. It's just oh. crazy how much stuff went on in this place. So according to Leto, he told Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest on their show two years ago that his staff had a few interesting, unexplainable occurrences. So Leto tells Kelly and Ryan, here's one of his stories. I had a handyman that was downstairs in the bunker and he had someone touch him on the shoulder. He turned around. No one was there. No. Leto ends. He came running up the stairs and quit on the spot. So. Oh, man. Yeah. So something's downstairs in the bunker. And then there was another story of full body apparitions. So there was a story of, of Leto's maids, one of his maids who was in the house early one morning. Leto was out. And she was spooked because uh, she claimed that she saw a man in military garb standing in the, li- uh, I think it was the dining room. And oh. when she turned to look at him, he appeared and just disappeared right right before her. Oh. Yeah, so that was another story. So Leto has also stated that he has never seen anything, but there are times where he'll go into certain areas of his house and the vibes would feel off. Mm-hmm. He would get like, you know, feelings of cold spots, but he hasn't really seen anything. Mm-hmm. 
So the house is currently around Lookout Mountain Road. So there's two theories to this, what I think might be the cause mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of these happenings. There's two theories. So the house, like I said before, is um, around Lookout Mountain Road um, on the, coral, uh, the corner of Laurel Canyon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember like the country store. Oh, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like down the street from there. I'm never going again. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. So that intersection happens to be really haunted. No, <laughs> don't say that. When you're at that stop no. sign, no, when you're at that stoplight, when you're at, it's like right there, it's like really close to the country store. It's a creepy intersection no. at that stoplight at Lookout Mountain and Laurel Canyon. Yeah. It's really creepy, even at night. And I've driven there late at night. Oh, yeah, same. It's the best way to get over the hill sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, if you want to avoid the or, or scene, Like, there's so many times that I'm just, like, up there. It's so beautiful. It is, even during the day. But at or... night, it could be really, really creepy. Oh, God. <laughs> so, motorists have claimed to see full-body apparitions of people in period clothes. <laughs> They're walking on the side of the road or they're at the the intersection and they'll disappear. There's one report. Um, it was from a woman who claimed to have seen a black horse and carriage crossing the intersection at Laurel and Lookout Mountain. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so there is activity there. Is it there. weird that horses freak me out less? I'm apparently fine with horse ghosts. Like go, like <laughs> horse ghost, yes. Jared Little ghost, no. <laughs> really? I don't know. That, that story was like, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> Apparently, I'm fine with horse ghosts. I would be okay with Jared Leto ghost. Oh, girl. Mm, I've seen him in person. Really? Oh, so me and my girlfriend, two years ago, we were hiking up Runyon Canyon, mm-hmm. and we stopped to tie, she had to tie her shoe. I look up, and there's Jared Leto coming from out from the bushes. He was taking a leap, and he was Bless. just coming out of the bushes. It looked They're like, just like us. And I, yes. <laughs> and, like, he looked like shit. Oh, yeah. He looked like, like, he, like, he looked a mess. He had his long hair, mm-hmm. but it, it was, like, perfectly ombre and then he mm-hmm. had his beard, and then he looks at you with these piercing blue eyes, mm-hmm. and I froze, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, I just saw Jesus, you mm-hmm. know? Literally. Literally. I, it, it, he looks like Jesus. Yeah, he really does. Like, blue-eyed Jesus. He does. He looks really good, White though. Christians rejoice. Blue-eyed <laughs> Jesus exists. And it's Jared Leto. Okay, and another another theory is, um, I don't know if you remember back in 2012, 2013, 180 rehab facility. There was a huge huge drama with that so it's on the hollywood reporter Mm -hmm. guys so this was a famous celebrity drug facility Mm -hmm. that you literally would spend like ninety thousand dollars a month to go into rehab if you had an oxycontin addiction alcohol addiction ozzy osbourne and his children were a part of this facility at one point but there was some severe tea that was spilled because um they had two wrongful death lawsuits that they were dealing with along with money laundering so they were taking people's money and accepting them into this beautiful well furnished posh uh rehab facility but nothing was being done no treatments were being done so um they claimed that there are two deaths at this facility whoa so one being um a woman and and they mentioned this in one of their locations because they had several and i and i know that this was at their beverly hills one one woman committed suicide in a bathtub she drowned herself and then there was another one of a young boy 20 years old 
who's the son of this multi-billionaire mogul, this real estate mogul from New York, and he had slit his wrists. Mm. So they didn't disclose what location he passed in. So I don't know, could it have been here at this location? Because they were stationed here at one point. Oh. That could be another theory. Could it be like his ghost that they're feeling? Who knows? Yeah. But then again, like we talked about with layers. Yes. Laurel Canyon. I don't know, maybe that this spot is just attracting all these other elements from outside. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, if you think of it as like a little sheet cake, Laurel Canyon is the thickest slice. You know what I mean? Ooh. It's, mm, I really want cake. Oh, cake. Um, <laughs> but it's just like at the baseline of it, you have all of the First Nations energy. Yes. All of the people that were there before it was colonized. Yes. And so if you just start there and then the tumultuous history of California mm-hmm. and then through like you were saying like, yeah, fine, the porn industry is not haunted, but it's certainly a lot of energy being released. Like, and I'm not trying to be cheesy, but like there is a lot there of like just the energy that that requires and where your life yeah. is to be doing porn and the just constant like semi-abusive job that it really is that's a layer and then like Mm -hmm. all of these other things you just start stacking up on top of it yeah it's it's still prime real estate yeah yeah. (laughs) i still want some cake so i don't know you want some cake with your ghosts yes yes does this cake come with ghosts dear jared leto please bring me cake Mm-hmm. Either way, long. or produce my film. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right, guys. So that is our episode of the Buddhafield Cult. Ugh. I wonder if you guys have like a craving for a smoothie. Probably you're gonna go online and purchase a nice little tangerine speedo like rice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we are not going to close this episode until we call out our spiritual bays of the week we have two uh one of the spiritual bays i like to give a shout out to is i got the hell out yes you have to listen to this podcast because it's actually hosted by an ex-cult member obsessed obsessed all right i got the hell out hosts laura and debbie dive into uh, debbie's past experience while in a cult yes a cult podcast with one of the hosts who is an ex-cult member. Mm. Debbie spent 10 years in an Old Testament polygamous doomsday cult. That is she insane. is hilarious. I I you have I'm you have so to, proud of you, Debbie. <laughs> Debbie out, got bro. out. She got yes. the hell out. She hell got the yeah, hell bro. out. She's hilarious. I follow them on Instagram. Yes. And she'll post pictures of herself like years and years ago, like in this cult. Like, this is what we wore. And oh, this God. was my husband, and this is how we dined. They there was this picture where um, they separated the men from the women sure. in the dining hall. It was crazy. God, and then were her bangs just teased for filth? Oh, yeah. My God, love it. Yes, that's why she got the hell out. Yeah, you got no get more out, bad bro. hair days. Thank goodness, no more bad hair days. Get it, girl. All right, second we have, of course. LA not so confidential yes. they have a fascinating podcast guys it's only 10 episodes because they are working professionals not to mention they're based out of LA so this LA based podcast brought to you by two forensic psychologists I was about to say parapsychologists <laughs> Dr. Scott and Dr. Shyla who dissect the intersections where true crime forensic psychology and entertainment meet they are well versed and each episode gets you even more sucked into their world i would love 
to do an episode with them. They did an amazing episode of Cults that takes you deep into the mind and world of cult leaders and their followers. Obsessed. They are really cool. And I highly recommend that you listen to both of those podcasts, considering that we just talked about cults. Now, if you love Hollyweird Paranormal, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot and helps us become a little more visible. You can definitely catch our episodes, guys, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Google Play, Podknife, Podbay, SoundCloud, <laughs> Blueberry. We're everywhere. We're everywhere, guys. <laughs> definitely follow us on Instagram at Hollyweird Paranormal and Facebook at Hollyweird Paranormal. On Twitter, we are HWP Podcast. And if you want to give us a personal hello, you can email us at Paranormal at gmail.com. Yes. Any last words, Bryce? Uh, don't join a cult. Don't join a cult. Eat cake. Eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> Not laced in cyanide, please. <laughs> if you can help it. All right, guys. So tune in for our next episode because we are going to do an awesome episode on haunted Hollywood theaters. Yes, you don't want to miss it because we're going to take you through a tour down Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, man. These theaters are not scary compared to Hollywood Boulevard at night. <laughs> Real. <laughs> Real nest. All right, guys. Have a good one. Much love. Stay weird. Bye. Bye.